Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey, Heal Squad and fans of Better Together with Maria Menunos. I am not Maria Menunos. I'm Mr. Maria Menunos, aka Kevin Undergaro, subbing for my um, my beautiful wife, who continues to do her thing, get stronger, keep mom with us as long as we can. Um, I'm really excited for tonight's show, or today's show, uh, for personal reasons, but I think it's going to speak to everybody. I'll start out with our uh, little quote. Our physical issues bring us to the precepts of the truths that have been awaiting our acknowledgement. And that is from Nicole Sachs. Nicole Sachs, if you're wondering, Kelsey, a I am. speaker, a writer, and psychotherapist who has dedicated her life and practice to the treatment of emotional and physical chronic pain and conditions. It was Nicole's own journey through extreme chronic pain and a condition doctors said was hopeless that led her on the path to the revelation that there was more to her pain than just physical. Nicole discovered how her emotional pain and deep-seated personal issues were the root of the problem. This discovery led her to near miraculous healing and on the path to helping heal others without stigmas, medication, or even surgery. The Heal Squad and Better Together welcome Nicole Sachs. Hi, Nicole. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you so much. So, you know, Nicole, I think uh, we have to start by you telling us your story with chronic pain and, you know, what brought you to this revelation. And I just want to say that anyone out there that has any kind of chronic condition, I have many friends uh, right now, who, if they don't have breast cancer, they've got, uh, like I have, some thyroid issue. And if they don't have those issues, I know people with chronic rashes. And if they don't have those issues, I know people who um, have, Kelsey right here has a chronic st- stomach issue that we on the show have been working the last three months, really focusing on trying to fix. And I, and when I heard your interview, I'm like, mm, Kelsey needs to listen to what Nicole says because I agree. And I think that all the way to people who haven't gotten their periods, um, and I know a lot of people who haven't been able to get pregnant, I think one of the reasons Maria couldn't get pregnant is because of what Nicole is going to talk about. But really, she's really going to take you on the journey to really help you to discover the roots of your conditions. Um, and she'll tell you how many cases, maybe it's in all cases, I don't want to you know, go out on a limb of an area I don't know. But I do know that there's more than just DNA or whatever you're eating or whatever's going on in your environment or, you know, physically. There's things emotionally that are manifesting in our bodies that trigger these conditions that signal our bodies to say something's wrong. And yes, you can treat the symptom in Western ways and you may have to, but if you can really go to the core and the emotional root of this, you will find uh, relief. And so Dr. Sano, if you're a friend, if you're a fan of Howard Stern, as I was, he helped cure uh, Howard's chronic back condition in this way. Yeah. So just a little bit of like, I'm going to lay it out as best I can, but please everyone listen very carefully. 
if you suffer from any of those conditions or even other conditions, this is going to be a show that's going to help you so much and a person is going to help you so much. So Nicole, I'll let you take it from there, maybe starting with your story. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Um, there's so much to tell and I'm going to tell my story. I just want to, in response to that beautiful intro, what I want to say is when I first started my brand, which is called The Cure for Chronic Pain, I had to pick a name. You know, I had to pick something. And people sometimes alienate themselves from the help because they say, oh, I don't have chronic pain. I'm just tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Or I don't have chronic pain. I just don't have a joy for life. Or I don't have chronic pain. Just everything feels like too much all the time. And so I just want to open this conversation before I even start talking about myself by saying there is no cure for the human condition and there is no cure for human pain. But there is a cure for chronic pain, emotional and physical of all kinds, because chronic pain is an epidemic of fear and misinformation and a misunderstanding of the connection between our mind and our body and the brain science that is derived from our nervous system and our fight or flight reaction. So I just said a huge mouthful that we're going to talk about a lot in this conversation, but I want people to understand before they could even possibly count themselves out that this is truly for every human being that walks the planet because there's no cure for the human condition and we're all in it. So- Perfect. I just had to put that out. No, I'm glad you said that because you're right. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that uh, because yeah, it, it's not just, oh, my back ache. It's the, it's these conditions. It's I'm sad. And I'm depressed. I'm always so tired. Many. Yeah. Anxiety oh and anxiety God. is everything and anxiety manifesting in a hundred different physical ways. I, I, so anyway, I'm going to put a pin on in me and I'm going to tell my story, but I just, I kind of always feel compelled to say that at the front end because this, whomever you are listening to this, this is for you. Okay. So um, when I was a child, I was very type A, very um, uh, goal-oriented, wanted to get the A. I had an incredibly critical father who, um, I would say that I felt his love was very conditional at the time. Uh, He died when I was 27. So we've had plenty of time to make peace since then. And I feel a little bit more understanding, but at his, at my in my childhood, his his love felt very conditional and I felt very pressured to be, be, be and do, do, do. And I had a lot of chronic issues as a child that I that that was were treated like the symptom. I had chronic constipation, you know, so that was always an issue. I had stomach aches. I had anxiety. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't um, swallow, like I would feel like I'd have trouble swallowing. And pretty much when I was about 10 or 11, I remember in the mornings getting dressed and I would pull my pants on and my back would hurt when I stood up. And I thought, hmm, you know, and I would say to my mom, mom, my back hurts. I was 10 years old. And she would say, oh, growing pains or, you know, you're fine. And, and so, and I was, and I was fine. I was just slightly afflicted. And then I went to college. I was a freshman uh, in college and I had what I call in my business, an acute pain incident. My back went out. I was uh, just doing whatever I was doing. It was stressful. It was emotionally and physically stressful being there, being away from home, all the pressures. And one day, I don't even remember this, the stimulus. I just bent over and I couldn't get back up. And it was very severe. My parents had to come to Lehigh, bring me home. Um, I literally carry me. I don't think I could walk. And I was subject to all the tests, MRIs, x-rays, And the orthopedic surgery consult was very, very dark. And he threw up my x-ray on the screen and he looked at my mother and he said, she has a condition called acute degenerative spondylolisthesis, which is an abnormality of the lower spine. And he said, "Um, I'm about to deliver some very difficult news. Um, There will be no more sports. There will be no more travel. There will be no more sleeping in any positions except for the fetal position, or if you're on your back, the legs must be elevated to at least two feet. Um, Long rides in the car are no longer um, happening because more than an hour with the bouncing motion of the car could could lead to a, a horrible incident of acute pain. They put me on steroids. They put me on muscle relaxers, on opioid pain medications. And then he, and he said, ultimately, the likelihood that I would have a biological child was slim to none unless I was prepared to have about seven to eight months of bed rest because the weight of the baby on the front would put my, me in so much danger for the, te- for the tenderness of, of my back situation. So here I am, 19 years old, being delivered a veritable death sentence of a life without very many possibilities at all. And, um, you know, 
I, I do think, and I do have a very um, rich spiritual life and a connection to my spirituality that even though I didn't back then, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that wasn't going to be my fate, but I didn't know why. And I just lived in fear. I listened to the doctors. I lived in fear. I stopped doing sports. I, I used to love riding horses. I was a rollerblader. You know, it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd stopped doing all the things that brought me joy. And I lived very small and very tight and in fear. And, um, and that went on, you know, I lived in chronic pain. Sometimes it was better. Sometimes it was worse. And I got through, uh, undergrad, I moved to the city and I was working in the city and I got into grad school. So I moved to the Midwest and here I am in grad school. And one day my mother calls me and she is freaking out. And it was back when Rosie O'Donnell had her daily talk show in the nineties. And Rosie had a segment on the talk show and it was called fix Jeanette. And now Jeanette Barber, who was at the time Rosie's producer, was in a motorized wheelchair. She had such severe pain in her knees and her feet and her ankles. No doctor knew what to do for her that she had devolved into this needing this motorized wheelchair. And Rosie, who wouldn't believe that there couldn't be one more idea, put her put her in this segment called Fix Jeanette. And my mother was watching the after segment, during which they showed footage of Jeanette Barber running the New York Marathon. And my mother said, what's going on here? And they started talking about a doctor named Dr. John Sarno, who helps people with all sorts of chronic conditions by explaining to them that the pain is not in your head, okay? You're not making it up. It's not psychological pain. It's not not psychosomatic pain. The pain is not in your head. It is real. It is being expressed through your body. But the origin of the pain lives in the mind-body system and what happens to your brain and your nervous system when it is engaged in long-term chronic stress, long-term chronic fight or flight that leads to certain signals being sent to certain muscle groups and bodily systems like the stomach and the head and all the places we experience discomfort. So at the time... He he was an attending physician for 50 years at the Rusk Center for Rehabilitation at NYU Medical Center. And, and, and over the course of his career, I think he had four or five best-selling books. But at the time, his most recent book was Healing Back Pain. And so my mom said, you have to get this book. I think this is what's wrong with you. And, um, and I got the book. And to be totally honest, and whenever I speak, I always tell the truth. I didn't even read it. <laughs> I read the front cover and the back and I was, you know, 25. I just, I I leafed through it and I said, I get this. I understand what the man is saying. I got the gist of it. And what he was saying was, although pain is experienced through the body, when we have severe repressed feelings like rage, he always focused on rage. I've kind of evolved it into rage, shame, fear, sadness, regret, embarrassment, Mm -hmm. all the things we feel, grief. But when we experience repressed rage and we don't know how to let that steam valve open, it's going to be expressed somewhere in our bodies and oftentimes rage is expressed through the back. This was his theory. So I thought, hmm, all right, it's probably crap, but let me just try it out because why not do a science experiment on myself? Because how else am I going to disprove my mother, which is always, you know, a fun thing to do. And, um, and just, 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 I was curious. I allowed my fear to be replaced with curiosity, which is something I also teach a lot in my work. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I did a science experiment on myself. So I'll never forget at the time I was in grad school and I was nannying for these four kids. And um, it was a stressful job. And once in a while, my back would really flare up. And so instead of worrying about my broken back and my ruined life and my terrible future, I just thought, why are you angry right now? And I thought, hmm. And I would go over whatever was going on with the kids or grad school or money or whatever was stressing me out. And I just really was honest with myself about why I was angry. And then 10 minutes later, I'd be busy doing an activity with the kids. And I'd be like, wait a second, what just happened here? My back doesn't hurt anymore. And that was the spark. That was the spark of recognition that this there might be something to this mind-body connection, something I had never, ever considered in my life. We aren't in the Western world trained about any of this at all. You know, everything is take a pill, have a surgery, have an injection, or even if you're more maybe open-minded, have like a holistic treatment like acupuncture or massage or, or whatever. And those, I'm not saying that those things are all wrong, and there's certainly a place for all of them in society. But most of the chronic conditions that we live with will never be fixed through physical manipulation of the body 
ever. And now I'm 20 years in. So now I can speak with authority. But back then, I was just doing a science experiment on myself. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, dot com promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful Pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. So I became pain-free. And I went on to graduate with all my degrees. I got married and I gave birth to my two oldest beautiful babies exercising until the day they were born. I had no back pain. And that is a beautiful thing. And that is not the end of the story. And it's very important for people to understand that that's not the end of the story. Because one of the things that um, I gently criticize my mentor and dear friend, Dr. John Sarno, about is that he used to say, oh, a lot of people, 90% of people read the book and get better. And I get it. I understand because in many ways, the nervous system is a light switch. And when your nervous system perceive you as safe, 
your entire body functions differently than when it perceives you as in danger. So I do understand why people do get these book cures or this understanding of knowledge cures, but it's not the whole story. And I do believe that my story is as rich and as complicated as it is. So I could carry this message really fully to everyone out there who suffers. So my son, Oliver, who's now 16, was 10 months old. And he was in um, one of those little walker, those baby walkers, and he was toddling around my back deck. And um, there were two stairs that led from the deck to the driveway. It wasn't a huge fall, but I just, every time he got a little close to it, I was like, I don't want him to go over those stairs. So I leaned over and I picked up the walker. Mm -hmm. Now I see you make a face because you think that that's bad for your back. It's actually not. I mean, it could be a muscle strain if you don't have a, a, a strong core, but it's not inherently bad for your back. However obviously somewhere subconsciously I thought it was and more moreover my emotional reservoir that I now understand to be the keeper of your nervous system's perception of your safety was yeah. probably yeah, up you, to here you were worried about your son's safety in that moment right was that I was worried trigger? about my son's safety I was I'll I'll put a hold on that gotcha. I think what, what what really what it was that my son's safety and me picking it up was the was the trigger but what it triggered was a lot more fear and and anger and sadness and confusion that I didn't know about because that's where our repressed emotional world lives in our subconscious. I pick up the walker and it feels like I have a hot knife dragging through my back. And mm. in that moment, fueled by fear, every understanding of the mind-body connection goes out the window. And I say, in total shame, you did it now. Mm. Now you did it. Bad girl, like your dad always said, you screwed up. You've ruined everything. You pressed your luck. You had these two kids. You probably shouldn't have because you weren't, you told you weren't supposed to. And now your life is ruined. And that set me on a year, the darkest year of my life of severe, severe chronic pain. Three times a week, physical therapy, electric stim treatments on my back, a lot of opioids, a lot of muscle relaxers, um, steroid packs, um, therapeutic massages, which always left me more in pain, which now I understand why. Um, I was an angry mother. I was an impatient person. I was self-pitying all the time. And I lived in absolute um, despair. And it was that whole year. And then this year culminated in this one very fateful day where I was at a deli with my children. They were like one and a half and three and a half. And they were, and it was the kind of deli that um, every mother dreads because when you go up to pay at the front, there are all these like clear containers with gummy bears and gummy worms and chocolate covered pretzels. And they're all about the eye height of a three foot tall person. (laughs) obviously by design. And so I'm trying to pay and I've got the diaper bag over my shoulder and I have a bad back. So I'm always feeling worried about myself and sorry for myself. And my kids are going wild. They are picking up the containers and shaking them and mommy, can I have this? Can I have this? And begging me and pulling at me and tripping and the containers are falling on the floor and I am mortified and I'm all the things, the reservoir underneath. Don't know. All I know is I'm mortified. I wrench the stuff out of my kid's hands. I put it back. I pay the bill. And now we start walking to the parking lot. And this is a very active parking lot. Um, many stores, like kind of like a strip mall. And as I'm walking to the car with one of my children in either of my hands, holding their hands, my back is getting tighter mm-hmm. and tighter. The pain is getting bigger. And the fire in the lower back feels like it's going to explode. And I'm making sense that right now this is a very serious situation that I'm in. I get to the car and for the life of me, there was no way I could get my kids in the car. I couldn't reach my phone. I couldn't reach my keys. I couldn't let go of either of their hands because one second of letting go could have meant that they would immediately be killed. There were cars whizzing by in either direction. They had no sense of danger. And I just stood there in the parking lot and I, I put my forehead on the driver's side window of my car, and I just cried. I just cried for my poor children and their failure of a mother and my broken body and my ruined life and all of my hope that had drained from me. I just cried and I just stood there. And to this day, every time I tell the story, I get chills all over my body. It will never get old for me. And to this day, I don't know how long I stood there 
my children kind of went limp the way kids do when they just like get a sense like this is an impossible situation. There's no complaining here. And um, I don't know how long we stood there, but eventually somehow I was able to get my kids in the car. I remember driving home and somehow getting them fed and bathed into bed. And um, although I was married at the time, my ex-husband was, he would work till after the kids got home every night. One of the reasons the marriage ended. And, um, and so I was alone and I got my kids to bed and I walked into my bedroom and I sat on my bed and I looked out the window which was this big kind of picture window. And all you could see was the blackness of the night and the stars in the sky. And somewhere in that moment, I surrendered. And I said, mess with me, don't mess with my kids. I do not know if Dr. Sarno is right with all this mind body stuff and all this complicated stuff that it's hard to understand and believe. And I don't know if I need spinal fusion surgery, like the doctors say, that would put me six weeks in a body cast and a rod in my spine and limit my mobility for life. I don't know. But one thing I know is I will do anything. And I call that the gift of desperation. And some people use it as an acronym for God, because I will tell you that it is beautiful to be out of ideas. And I called Dr. Sarno's office at the time he was still in practice in New York City. And I made an appointment. It was incredibly expensive. It was money I did not have easily because um, he was in a hospital for 50 years, 5-0, that he never got a referral from inside the building because his money, his work didn't make money for anyone. It, it, it didn't use the surgical model. It didn't use the big pharma model, model, and it didn't use the medical model. And those doctors in that office were not interested in referring people down to Dr. John Sarno. So his prices were very high because he didn't take insurance because he was just doing this sort of boutique practice. So I paid the money and I sat down with him. Now, I don't know um, if you, in your friendship with Howard, ever heard about the personality of Dr. John Sarno. But he was a really kind of hilarious dude. Okay. So he was probably about five, four, five, five. He was Italian. He he wore his the long lab coat. So it went down to about his ankles. <laughs> and he was a gruff fellow. He would he 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 was no joke. He was all business. And so I had written in this very typical A student way I did this novel of when my back would hurt. It hurts when I move like this and when I bend like this and when I pick. And I mean, it was, it was, I spent yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I spent time on this thing. And so I walk in, I slide it across the table from him and he picks up my, my folder and he, and he says, what is this? And I said, oh, it's, it's just all the deal of my back and how it feels. And he said, okay, he did not lose my gaze and he took it and he threw it in the garbage can. And it Whoa. was like this metal old, like utility garbage can. It went boom. And he goes, let me examine you. And he's a medical doctor. He gave me a full exam. And he said, and he looked at my MRI and he said, oh, I see what's going on in your back. And I go, yeah, it's really bad. Every orthopedic surgeon goes pale. And by the way, that is true. I mean, people freak out when they see it. I have a whole vertebrae that shattered and replaced with scar tissue. I have stress fractures in the vertebrae above and below. And my whole, it looks like it's sitting on itself. I think at some point I don't even have a disc. I don't know. And he, and he said, yeah, he said, this is, it's called spondylolisthesis. It's, it's a normal abnormality. You were probably born with it. It doesn't cause pain. And I said, oh, and he said, this is your problem. You are very angry, aren't you? And I was like, uh, I guess so. Well, how does that matter? And he really explained it to me in ways that I understood, which basically I've kind of touched on. It's just that we live in a mind body system. Sometimes we feel things in our hearts and sometimes we feel things in our bodies and they are literally interchangeable. And when I lecture, oftentimes I say, what I'm teaching you is something that you already believe. Who among us has not had a stressful day and gotten a headache, an emotional stimuli that leads to a physical reaction? Who among us has not gotten bad news and lost an appetite, emotional stimuli leading to physical reaction? What's the most obvious emotional stimuli that leads to a physical reaction? When you get really, really, really sad what happens to you? I mean, I want to eat bad things. I cry. Yes. <laughs> Water falls out of your face. Yes, yes. Like sometimes when people really struggle to believe, well, how can an emotional stimuli lead to a physical reaction? Yes. And I go, um, every time you cry. Oh, yes, you could cry because someone hit you in the 
in the knee with a hammer, you could, but most of the time you cry because you're watching, you know, a sad TikTok. So, I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest here. Um, we all know that emotional stimuli can lead to physical reactions, but when things get chronic, all of that goes out the window because chronic pain is an epidemic of fear and fear overrides reason. And that is what people need to understand. And so he explained this to me and I set forth on understanding what I needed to do. So I always, I always say there's three facets of my work, believe, do the work and patience and kindness for yourself. So believe is just understanding what's going on in your, in your body, what's going on in your mind, the dance, the beautiful dance actually between the mind and the body where your brain and your nervous system are only seeking to protect you with your physical affliction because it, in its estimation, your emotional repressed world, which is the place where our stored trauma lives, where our unresolved stuff from childhood, where all the things that get triggered, wherever that lives is perceived by the nervous system as a greater predator than your physical pain. The migraine keeps you safe. You lay down, you turn off the lights, you cancel plans with Aunt Edna, who always makes you feel bad about yourself. Here you are, safe. Now, I call it safe in the unsafest way because nobody wants to live like that, but your nervous system thinks you're much better off there. How do we convince the nervous system that we're okay feeling our feelings? We have to feel them. How do we feel our feelings? Well, Dr. Sarno explained to me that one of the easiest ways to do that is to journal. Because when you slow your thoughts down to the, to the space in which you can either write them out or type them out, you make space for epiphany. And I said, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, not whatever, like I'll go journal, but it kind of seems too simple to be true. But I said, okay, I said, I really get you. I get you. I believe you. And I, I think this is the reason for my back pain that's stopping my entire life. I believe you that my spondylolisthesis, just like any bulging disc, just like many, many findings on MRI is a normal abnormality that doesn't cause pain. I believe you, which was important. And I said, I'm going to go do this journaling work. So do you want me to just keep going on? Like Please. tell the whole thing to the end? Please. You know, the other thing I just want to, it's funny with Dr. Sano, it's that 20th century exterior. And I'm so glad that you weren't triggered by the throwing of your journal, which was, you know, your, your, no. um, wasn't your journal, but your, you know, all that time and effort you put into that. I just know the younger generation would have freaked out, walked out and said, he's bullying me. He's attacking me. He's, I just think it was great that you were, you did not let that get you because I could see that getting you where you wrote all your, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that was like, I could see a younger person today wouldn't hear him because they would just be freaked out that he threw you know, away the stuff in the barrel. Maybe, 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 maybe not. I can't say, cause it would probably depend on the person, but I have to tell you, honestly, my reaction to that was like, all right, then like his confidence was so strong right. and his resolve was, he was, he was so aligned with what he knew. I was think you true. were ready for it though. I was ready for it. And, and true I, readiness is everything. And true I, readiness you've got to be ready. And I think that again, you know, for the younger, I think what's great about you, Nicole, and you, you're going to keep this going. I think what's great about you, Nicole, is that you're the next generation of Dr. Sano. Rage is a, it's easy for a male. Like that's what we uh, much of it manifests in rage. So I get where he would take that, but you're, I agree with you. It's more, it's shame, it's guilt. It's mm -hmm. all those other things. And I think that, um, but your uh, approach will not, is less likely to trigger someone to walk out oh, and I'm receive much it. Well, that's, well, listen, it's just, it's just how it is. You know, this yeah. is, they're wired in a different way. I, I see my experiences and, um, to them, to people that are wired that way, I say, you know, toughen up a little bit and listen to sometimes this truth, but so you can receive it, but then also it's so great to have someone like you who can be a, a lot more, okay, I get it. You're writing your journal, you're dotting on your eyes, you're crossing all your T's because yeah. you just sh breathe now and let's put that to the side. And now let's me and you really attack the problem. So yeah, no, please continue, Nicole. So, and I want to just put in a little caveat there just because, um, just if we fast forward the story a little bit, which I won't, I'll go back and tell like the good part and the, the revelatory part. But Dr. Sarno actually became my incredibly close friend and colleague. He ended up referring into my practice when I lived in New York. And um, he is the loveliest, most gentle soul underneath. But I have to tell you, I have tremendous empathy for his um, 
sense of rejection, abandonment, and alienation from the medical community. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why he was seen as a bit of a gruff character for those who didn't know him well is because um, nobody believed him. And, you know, I am blessed and lucky lucky to be the second generation Sarno because when people hear me speak, their eyes are a little bit more open because the consciousness of the planet has been much elevated since the years that he um, really suffered. So um, I do think there's a reason for all of it. A hundred percent. And by the way, I'm the guy that loves the guy that throws it in the barrel. <laughs> like, but again, I'm a guy. Right. And so I'm used to a coach just yelling at me yeah. because I know they're coming from a place of love, trying to shake me into where I need yeah. to be. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it, you see, you know, by the way, that we should have more empathy even to the people, influencers and world leaders and people we idolize. And when we start to see them show their charges I noticed from, say, if I knew a celebrity 15 years ago, and then I see how they are now, I think so much of the outside negativity and stuff has just gotten to them because they're human. So with Dr. Sano, like, you could, yeah, totally get, like, no one, not only didn't they not see him, it was the opposite. Oh, no, we see you, you're a quack. Exactly. You know, so you see where, yeah, it's just, I I get it. And I think it's good for all of us to try to empathize with those, those people because, you you see people start out with these great intentions and then eventually they it just gets chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, you know. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that um I think that in order for him to do what he needed to do, he had to get really hard on the outside. And I can't possibly do that because I'm such a love bucket, like mm-hmm. I really am. Yeah. That um I have what I've had to do is steal myself from haters <clears throat> by saying I know how many people are getting helped, but I'm going to be honest with you. I get very few haters because I think people see the intention, the intention of the work. They do. And you know, here's the thing, Nicole, just giving you a warning. As you grow, it's just how it is. The bigger you get, the more that comes. And I swear... It's just, we know this and it's something about our society. We just love building people up and then we just, it's so much fun to tear them down, whatever. I also think that, you know, people need to be ready. I think the generation is more ready now than they've been, but you know, you're always going to get that. And you know, my thing is when I'm at my best, and by the way, I'm an Italian guy like Dr. Sano, so I'm very reactionary, but when I'm at my best and I see someone who comes from a place of darkness or hatred, I just say, you know, they're not far enough on their journey. And then maybe it's going to be the next life they get there. And I'm just going to kind of move over to someone else, you know. I am so So, with you on that. I'm so with you on that. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to Nicole. Let's get back to it. You got us hanging. Okay. So I was just just doing that to get you guys all at the edge of your seat. You got got me. (laughs) So I leave Dr. Sarno's office and I say, okay. It makes sense. If you journal, you make space for these feelings to come up. And he instructed that I should make three lists. Childhood, daily life, and personality. And just bullet out the things that might be in there, might be in this unconscious reservoir of rage and, you know, shame, sadness, fear, grief, whatever. So I bullet out these lists and I find myself, you know, and I'm I'm journaling and I find myself um, what I call playing my tapes, which is I'm telling the stories of the things that I know upset me that time in fourth grade, that time in sixth grade, you know, mm-hmm. um, that time when I was in high school and the, the, the this and that happened and I felt embarrassed. And, you know, I'm writing these stories and like, I'm not, I'm, I'm telling the truth, but it just felt like a whole lot of nothing, just to be honest. But I was doing it because I was, once again, being the student. I'm just going to do what I'm told. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I find myself picking the topic of motherhood, which is just a very broad topic under my daily life category. And so I'm writing about motherhood in the same way. I have two babies. I wasn't expect to ha- expecting to have a second one so soon. So I have two babies in cribs, two babies in diapers. This wasn't what I planned. And, you know, my ex-husband, he's always working. So I feel so alone and I'm tired. You know, I don't get a lot of sleep. So all these things that are normal and understandable and cert- certainly are the truth. And I heard sort of that inner voice, that that higher voice saying something to me and I paused and I paid attention and the words I heard were, you're lying. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not lying. This is what's going on in my life right now. And the voice said, you're going to need to go deeper than that if you want to understand what you need to heal. And it was from wherever. I have no idea. Um, I've never been a religious person, but it was just something that it was my inner, it was my deepest knowing. Nicole, how do we get people 
I have some guesses, but how do we get people to be able to, you know, have that voice come in or hear that voice? You know what I mean? Because that was key. Because that was key. It was so everything. So you hear that, well, and I know, go right, and I go, oh no, how can Kelsey or Maria or uh, you know, I I I want to hear I more about that. I actually have a very, I have a very specific answer to that, and right. actually, you're the first person who asked it right at this point in the story, and it makes me realize that this point in the story is is why. I heard the inner voice because we must start with the surface truths in order to get to the deeper ones. Okay. So what we do is it's like you start with just telling the story. What's going on right now? I'm having a hard day. The dog is sick. My kid was disrespectful. I'm worried about money. You know, you, you, you tell the story and what happens to you. And I believe there's a spiritual aspect to it. You don't have to believe there's a spiritual aspect in order for it to work for you is that that comfort that you can find by telling the surface truth allows for the deeper truth to rise. Something I had no idea was happening at the time, but that is exactly the answer to your question, which is, and I teach this, you know, obviously we're in an interview. There's only so much I'm going to be able to say today, but there's tons of resources to figure to find out about my work. I teach this all the time, which is we start with the surface truths and the surface truths will bring us to the X marks the spot. And then you have to dig. And, and you're not medicating at this point. You're not having on the oxys or things like that for Oh, God, no, 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 no. Because no, I would I think have... that would block the voice. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And we can we can talk about the whole medical model and where it intersects at some point, but I was absolutely not medicating at all at that Good. point. Good. Okay. Because yeah. I just, again, I just like, I think there's, there's, people will do the homework. I'm like you, I wasn't a, when I was, a, again, at my best, I'm a great student. At my worst, forget it. But, uh, but <laughs> I'm like you start with a pen and this look at you see if you can't see i'm already like taking vociferous notes here that was um, the pad i was using I yeah was of course, right there you go right but but you know i i think that um it's just hearing that voice that really it's i'm so glad you heard it and um that that's what fascinates me because i i feel like other people might not think that voice will come to them but maybe if they're clear-headed if they're breathing if they do the surface work, like you're saying, That's, it, yes. it just will happen. You know, I often tell people life is a behavior modification program. You can never think yourself into better feelings. You must act your way. That is the bottom line. Little actions lead to epiphany. And so the fact that I was sitting there at the desk with my yellow legal pad, making time for myself, yeah. getting my child care, right? Having a cup of tea, that... It begins the process of opening. And now I'm telling the story. My kids are little. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Not lies. But the voice said, mm -mm -mm -mm. we need to look deeper. And I said, okay. And here's the place, Kevin, where I have to say that my desperation, that moment in the picture window staring out at the stars when I said, I'll do anything came into play because I was being invited to do something hard which is what's underneath all that exhaustion? What's underneath all that discontent? Is it just that you're tired? A lot of people stop right there. And I was willing to do anything. And I asked into my truth. And what came to me was the first line of journal speak, which is the language I teach, ever penned. And that line was, I hate being a mother. And it flowed out of me like the most painful battery acid on my tongue. I mean, I what? I, I said what? And it said, I hate being a mother and I just let the pen move on the page. I hate this. It's wrong. It's ruined. I did it wrong. I messed it up. I'm broken. I can't do it anyway. Everything's, I had the wrong babies. My daughter, she has curly blonde hair. She looks like my ex-husband. She cries in my face. These aren't the right babies. This isn't the right life. Everything is ruined. And I, and I just didn't stop. And by I the just way, what I just think of you, sorry, Nicole, to interrupt, because I think of your personality as I'm getting to know you. Weren't you even ashamed to admit that? Right? Isn't that the worst thing in the world the to admit? Be beyond, first of all, let's 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 dial back. At 19, I was told I would never even have these children. Okay. Yeah. I had started fantasizing about being a mother when I was 10. All I wanted to do, my mother and I have this joke that when I was a little girl and she said, What do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say, I want to do nothing like you. <laughs> Which <she thought. laughs> Oh my God, hilarious. <laughs> oh, my mother used to love that one. But um oh my God. I I 
didn't see myself beyond motherhood. I, I, I didn't know I was going to have this big career and be a therapist and do all this. I didn't, I thought I was going to have children and stay home with them because it was all I ever wanted. And not that there's anything wrong with that. And, and when we get to the end of the story, you'll realize that my kids are literally everything to me. And there's nothing I love more than being a mother. But in that moment for that scared, broken little girl inside, the one who was repressing all that sadness and rage and grief, I had to tell the truth first. And the truth of that little girl, the inner child, which is I do so much work on this is I hate this. I'm terrified. I'm screwing it up. I'm doing it wrong. I did it all wrong. And, and I just didn't stop writing. And that and then I got another voice. And the voice said, wait, wait, wait. You don't hate your babies and you don't hate being a mother. There's mm. more here. Keep digging, keep digging. Keep and then it moved to my parents. I really went, I really went ham on my parents. I hate you. I hate both of you. <laughs> oh, no. You made horrible decisions. You ruined me. You know, I mean, it's journal speak is a language of a five-year-old having a temper tantrum. It is not something that anyone ever needs to hear. And when you're done with your journal speak practice, my first instruction is you throw it away. You rip it into a public garbage can. You delete it from your computer. You don't save it on the cloud. This is not language that anyone else would ever understand. It is to set yourself free. One of my old clients used to say, it's like blowing your nose in a tissue, throw it away. You're getting out the gunk. This is not, you're not writing the great American novel. And so I was writing and writing and it went, the, the rage went to my parents. And then all of a sudden I had this like great compassion for my parents who, my dad was an immigrant. My mother was trying her best. We had terrible money problems. You know, he died young. Like they were, they were doing what they could. And I did come to compassion and not everyone does. And you don't need to, by the way, okay. but it, it, I did. And then, well, you know, even, even maybe Nicole, if you can't get to compassion, maybe at least empathy is, you know, how did they get to this place? And wouldn't it be great to get to empathy? But I have worked with enough people over the years that have, that have been so wronged, sexual abuse, physical abuse, terrible neglect, that they can't get to empathy or compassion. And I say, just know what happened. Then just know what happened. Does it help for them to, does it help for them to know, like, let's say if a, if that person were abused or that person were, does, does that help at all? That can build, that can certainly build empathy and compassion. And, 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 and I want to tell people that the spoiler alert to the end of all of this for you, because we're just hearing my story, but for you is that inner peace, you will be able to understand everything that happened and feel in alignment with it. And, and it's a long journey and it's simple, but it's not easy, but it is absolutely the end. And when you get there, you also have absolutely no chronic pain. So this is, this is the truth. So anyway, I I know I've, I'm taking forever to get there. No, no, I, no, um, it's it's okay because it's 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 all so helpful. I I know it's helping me. So please, Nicole, continue. Okay, thank you. Um, so then the rage moved to the person that really needed to hear it is that I was rageful at myself. Mm. You weak baby, you can't oh, no. raise these kids. Everybody can raise kids. You stupid idiot. You couldn't figure this out. Your father was right. You've always been a failure. I mean, all of it, but I didn't stop. I didn't get scared. I didn't press up that palm of resistance and what we resist persists. And I didn't resist it. And I let it come and I let it come. And I finished that sit down exercise. And I don't know how long it took with tearful compassion for myself, just a soft, sweet baby, just trying the best I could, just doing the best with what I was given. And I just felt this process beginning for myself. And I woke up the next morning and my back pain was 80% gone, never to return. Within the next couple months, I worked with Dr. Sarno on the brain conditioning that was causing the last 20%. And within a few months, I had never had back pain again, not for one day. I had a third child, exercise till the day she was born. I'm almost 49 years old. I'm in incredible shape. There is nothing about me that is affected by this normal abnormality in my back. And it is because of my understanding of this mind-body connection. And I cannot speak more passionately about the importance for every person suffering to know that this is what's happening in you. So you, so you get, you get to the place where you then blame yourself. Then you of course um, forgive yourself because you realize you're just a child trying your best. Um, You throw away the journal right away. Just right away. Get, right away. Okay, good. Destroy it immediately upon finishing. Burn burn upon reading. Burn upon reading. <laughs> Great. And then um, and you immediately start noticing relief. Now, is this a practice that you have to go keep going back to? Yes. Okay. So what I like to say when I tell my story, my story is a very, you know, kind of hyperbolic, you know, exciting story. But 
this is just human life. We all need to mind our mind-body connection the way we mind our physical health. You know, what I say about your mind-body connection is kind of like if you wanted six-pack abs and somebody said, yeah, okay, this is how you get it. You go to the gym and you do these exercises. And if you care about having six-pack abs, there's a recipe. And if you do the work, you'll get them. You can't go and watch people at the gym. You can't imagine the gym. You can't decide. You could, but you're not going to get the abs. And so what I'm saying is this work, if you want this mind-body health, if you want to get rid of this chronic condition that you're suffering from or get more energy or find more joy for life or have better relationships or get pregnant or or, or have preventative stuff, like it, I, I do believe this work significantly um, prevents cancer and other things that afflict us. It's not a cure for cancer. But it's, I work with cancer patients all the time, specifically actually in the past breast cancer, because I know you mentioned that. And, um, and I have worked with people that have had incredible recoveries. Now, I can't say whether or not this work was a factor or not. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a mind reader and I'm not a doctor, but I will tell you, I've watched it. I've watched it help people go through chemotherapy without losing their hair. I mean, there's just incredible things I've seen from this work when you understand the dance between the mind and the body. So I, this wasn't the last time I journaled because I had a long road of like, I started getting migraines at one point at the time I was speaking on the Sarno panel at NYU. Cause I worked with him for years speaking on his um, panels um, at the, at the college. And um, I was sitting on stage once and I was, was, had been getting these terrible migraines and somebody was asking me a question and I just stopped myself in my tracks. And I remember I had the mic in my hand. I go, I just realized I don't need to get these headaches anymore. It was a real journey of discovery for me. Like I had to understand it wasn't just about back pain. I had to understand that it was a, a sort of like your body is like a pinball machine. And if this repressed emotional world is, is at the point where it's going to keep spilling over, it's going to be like a bing, bing, you know, headache and then shoulder pain and then back pain and then a stomach thing. But when you do the work, when you understand the belief, which is what I'm explaining and, and I have so many resources because sometimes you have to sit in the belief. Sometimes you have to marinate in the belief. You know, I have a podcast and, and people often say they just walk every day and listen to an episode of the podcast and little by slowly the belief kind of comes into them yeah. and they know they can do this for themselves. The journal speak practice, I assign people a 30 minute a day practice when they're at the beginning. You certainly don't need to do it every day for the rest of your life, but I assign it at the beginning because you really need to get your nervous system from sustained fight or flight to sustained rest and repair. And that is something that takes um, consistency, just like the six pack abs. You got to show up and you have to do the work. And the process is just a 20 minute journal speak practice followed by a 10 minute meditation any loving kindness meditation to sit with the compassion and some people don't come to it naturally. So just to feel patience and kindness for yourself and to know I'm doing my best. I'm a human being. I have frailties and flaws just like anyone else. And I'm doing this work to save my own life. And so that 30 minutes a day is an absolute game changer. And I've been watching it change people's lives for 20 years. And and this, this you know, is every day for the rest of your life or is uh is there like a a point where you can i what i would say is any kind of spiritual work anything that you guys are teaching on better together it's to it's to get a toolkit right so you mm -hmm. get a toolkit and you find this and you find that and you find this and there you have your toolkit journal speak is a tool in your toolkit just like a lot of things when you get yourself out of chronic pain which happens for some people very quickly and for some people slowly. It re it's really depends on how much trauma you've had, what your personality is like, how much you carry perfectionism and goodism and needing to do to be uh, a, be seen as a good person, how codependent you are. Mm -hmm. There's so many different factors, but no matter, even if you scored 10 on all the things I just said, there's still hope for you as long as you are willing to do the work with belief and patience and kindness for yourself. Then it just becomes a tool in your toolkit. Like today, in my life. I'm like I said, I'm almost 49. I'm a parent of three. I'm doing all this crazy work around the world. There will be days where I wake up and like, um, I'll get like, I call it the wing. It's like, you know, when your scapula hurts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's like annoying. You can't move your neck and I'll go, Oh, all right. I obviously have a lot going on. It's a journal speak day and I get down to it and I have a lot of different mm -hmm. practices and prompts and stuff that I teach. So I just listen to my own work. I'm a product of my product and I do my work. And maybe sometimes it takes me a few days. Um, I had a really interesting thing happen to me about a year or two ago where I got something called burning mouth syndrome. Mm. 
something that I had never heard of. And now it's almost like when you, when you're pregnant, all you do is see pregnant women. Now everyone has burning mouth. I hear about it all the time, but, um, I got this burning mouth syndrome and I'm a human being like anyone else. So what did I do? I ran to the doctor and I said, um, I'm dying. My whole mouth feels like it's on fire. What's wrong with me? And she said, well, let's get blood work. Fine. I, I believe in medicine when you need it. And she said, okay, all your blood work is normal. Um, you know, she said, some people who have this, try this mouthwash and I'm listening to her and she goes, but you know, what's really crazy. I have this other patient who has terrible burning mouth syndrome. She's been everywhere. She's been to Hopkins. She flew up to the Mayo clinic. She's done all these things. And you know what they keep telling her? And I said, what? And she said, they keep telling her it's psychological. And I go, oh, all right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> did, did the journal speak? And you know what came out? What? I'm not being heard. I'm desperate to share this message. Yeah. And all I want to do is shout it from the rooftops and no one's listening. And I think part of that was right around when Dr. Sarno died because he died a couple summers ago at the age of 94. And I felt like now it's like all on me. Not that I'm the only one in the world who's doing this work, but it felt like a tremendous pressure that all these people are suffering and I need to get the... And as soon as I got that, the burning mouth went away and never came back. This is real, guys. Like, yeah. I know this, even when I say it, I know it sounds crazy. This is physical mm. brain science. It doesn't sound crazy to me. It's it's really about, we do a lot of talk on our show, but we do a regular Guy Friday episode, mm. Kelsey and I, where it's just, <laughs> we just say we're regular people and in a regular world. But we were talking last week about awareness. And we keep hearing from super successful people who come on the show. We have billionaires, we have healers, we have you know, all world-class people like you, Nicole. And it just, I marvel at the awareness. And I think if you can have that awareness, which is like you said, calm, you were there, you had your tea, you, the kids were in being taken care of somewhere else. Um, obviously you wanted this to work too. But yes. it's so much about awareness. I, I've always said with any problem, you're halfway there if you can know, you know, what the problem is or why you're having it. We're, we're halfway Awareness, home. I say that all the time. Awareness yeah. is the first step. That's, I say, I like find myself because I have this Instagram account where I put out a lot of information and I find myself writing that to almost every pe yeah. person who's like, but wait, but wait. I say, no, awareness, start with awareness. And I think that's, it's finding ways to love yourself enough to quiet everything around you. Maria has a really hard time. I mean, she's like a little kid. I have to put her to bed. I literally mm -hmm. have to go. By the way, Kelsey's not the same way. Mm -hmm. I, we have this, I have a office. It's going to sound weird. We have a recliner in there, but I'll be like, get on the recliner. Here's the electric blanket. Mm -hmm. Just stop. Totally. Just, Absolutely. just, you know, with Maria, it's the same thing. Like stop, get, stop worrying about, you know, this one and that one and the dog and mom and dad and this and that. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, and she's at her best when I, I, she has these tremendous breakthroughs when it gets quiet, but, and this yeah. is someone of means. And so my heart really goes out to the people who don't have the means who, you know, are working day and night to feed their children or themselves or care for sick people. Yeah. So I think the, it starts with them finding a way to carve out that 30 minutes, like you said, 20 minutes to write, 10 minutes just of quiet, but you know, it's for such a greater good, not just, I, it's hard to reach people to Nicole, like the people like you and a lot of the people on the Heal Squad who listen to this show because they put everyone else first. So they're, that, right? Yes, and that is actually a big, so so one thing that I didn't mention um, in terms of this work is that when you do the original lists in order to figure out what you need to journal about, it's childhood, daily life, and personality. There are certain personality characteristics, and Dr. Sarno talks about this a lot, and I know Stern talks about this a lot, of people that are typical to get this kind of more, um, the more, uh, the more difficult mind-body stuff, meaning like the back pain, the neck pain, the shoulder pain, the hip pain, the migraines, the fibromyalgia. The autoimmune the diseases. Which, the, the symptoms of autoimmune disease, exactly. Yes. The type of per people that get this are usually people pleasers, do a good good doers, meaning like everybody needs to be taken care of before I'm taken care of. Codependent. I'm not okay unless you're okay. I, I, want, I want your feelings to be okay. And then your feelings become my feelings. Perfectionist. I'm not good unless I get an A, unless everybody sees me as not making a mistake. There are very specific types of people. And oftentimes these people think that they're doing a, a service to themselves by being so good, yes. by putting everyone else first. And in fact, as Dr. Sarno would say, they're very angry. 
They're very angry. And that anger mm -hmm. has no space in their self-definition. There is no place in the way they view themselves for that anger. And because there's no place for it, it must be repressed. That's right. And repressed feelings must come out somewhere. And I you see know. it a lot in cancer, Nicole. Yes, I, I know. My dad I know. was a people yes. pleaser and, and it's the anger. And I, I see a lot of people, Maria's mom, the givers of the world, it, yes. I see it come out in cancer. You know, I I know it comes out in all those other things, but I've seen it at the the extreme of cancer, and um, and I that's why I always say when people reach out, I, I say one of the first things to do, you know, along with your diet and maybe holistic treatments, is get to the core, get to the psychology. Yes. Why? Where? There's there's more there. Get in therapy and and now like follow Nicole Sachs. But I think um, these are just such incredible triggers and all the things you just mentioned. It's those things that uh, yeah, we carry. Thank you so much for today. And I, I, I look forward to many more of these. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It was so great. You too. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.